Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 10. We're actually going to talk this morning about knowing your shepherd's voice. We're we're in a small series uh, before we jump back into uh, our our Daniel Revelation series. God willing, we'll be in the book of Revelation in um, the early parts of June going through the summer. But I want to take a couple weeks to talk about just some kingdom living principles. And we're going to talk about what it means to know your shepherd's voice this morning. Um, Shepherding is an image that is used all throughout the scripture. It's used in the Old Testament. It's used in the New Testament. It's used to describe both literal shepherding, but it's also used to describe how God relates to his people. How God relates to his people. And I want to read just a couple of verses from the beginning of um, John chapter 10. And then we're going to kind of jump back and look at a couple of other things in the scripture. But, but just remain seated right now. Um, here's John chapter 10 verse 1. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen, Jesus says, by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own outside, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus is describing himself in these words as the ideal shepherd, as the good shepherd, the one who lays his life down for the sheep, yes, but also the one who protects and guides them in their walk of life. Way back in Genesis 48, we find um, Jacob, also named Israel, who is one of the patriarchs of the nation of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is on his deathbed, and he's blessing his son, Joseph. And one of the things that he says is um, that God has been his shepherd all his life long. Now, if you know anything about Joseph, or not Joseph, if you know anything about um, Jacob, you'll know that Jacob's walk was a very interesting one. It was filled with deceit and cunning, trying to grab, trying to make his own way, and it took a long time for him to learn what it meant to follow his shepherd and to hear his voice. Finally, even at the end of his life, he recognizes, and, and I just love how it's phrased, because he recognizes that to follow and to know your shepherd's voice is a lifelong pursuit. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, year-after-year kind of walk. This concept of shepherding is found all throughout the Scripture, and shepherding comes down to one word, relationship. Relationship. It refers to the relationship between a shepherd and his or her flock. It refers to the relationship between Yahweh and one of his own As Jesus says, I'm the one who is the doorkeeper. The sheep hear my voice and they know it. 
Sheep are a, a common word. It's a common word used in scripture. It's used actually over 500 times. And it's used to refer usually to a, a type of domesticated pastoral animal. But the amazing thing about this domesticated pastoral animal that we call sheep is that they are designed to be tended. They're designed to have a shepherd. So it's not without... Um, or, or I should say it's with purpose that when the Bible uses the language of the Lord is my shepherd, it's with intention, recognizing that people made in the image of God are intended to have a shepherd, namely God. Sheep in the ancient world were vital to the economy. They produced things like wool and milk and dairy products, meat, sacrifices. They also were an economic way to trade or to pay for something. In fact, the little known fact I learned this week, um, in the ancient economic terms, 30 sheep equaled one cow. So, so if you had one cow, it was worth 30 sheep. Or if you had 30 sheep, you could trade it in for one cow, I guess, if you wanted. Um, and, and the Bible uses th both the literal and a um, metaphorical use of sheep to describe how they are dependent on a shepherd. They're dependent for food and for water, for protection, for provision. And this metaphor extends all the way through Scripture to us as disciples and followers of Jesus here today. Now, the shepherd described in ancient practice and described in the scripture, the ideal shepherd is one who cares, protects, provides, and leads the sheep. And a good shepherd is known by how he acts. He's known by what he does. You can tell whether or not you have a good shepherd by how they treat their flock. Because in the ancient time, like there is in the present time, there are people who are bad shepherds and there are people who are good shepherds. A good shepherd knows how to bring contentment to the flock. Contentment to the sheep. Now, contentment is not just the idea of making someone happy. It's providing what they need when they need it. See, as, as we might be able to watch from watching a flock of sheep. Sometimes sheep go off on their own way and they get themselves in problems. Sometimes they get stuck. A foot gets stuck in, in, a, in a, between a couple of rocks and the shepherd has to go over there. Sometimes they find themselves cornered by some other sheep, right? They're not always kind to themselves. Uh, I've got some sheep people in this, uh, in this room here, people who raise sheep. I'd love to hear your sheep stories later. Um, sometimes sheep... Um, just want to go and do what they want to do. They, they, they don't always want to hear and follow the shepherd's voice. But contentment, contentment is, is the act of understanding what a sheep needs to truly find life and flourish in what and who they've designed to, been designed to be, namely sheep. Sometimes it's said sheep are dumb. I, I don't know that I agree with that. One of my pastor friends likes to say this, sheep aren't dumb, they're just sheep. <laughs> they're exactly how God created them. My, my dad had three sheep growing up. Um, Dixie, Trixie, and Dickie were their names, living in upstate rural New York. And Dixie, I am told, is the one who liked to go lay out on the, um, on the main road, lie down, and just absorb all the heat. Now, they live out in the middle of, they lived out in the middle of nowhere. So it was generally not a problem. But you can just imagine, you have a sheep laying on a road and a car comes by. What do you think's going to happen? And you might say, dumb sheep. <laughs> no, sheep 
just need a shepherd. They're designed to be dependent. God uses this metaphor for people because he recognizes through his good creation that you and I are also designed to be dependent. We weren't designed to walk in our own path. Rather, we are designed to hear our shepherd's voice, to rest in our shepherd's care, and to walk after his leading. The scripture talks about bad shepherds. Dustin, would you put up the next slide for me? One of the places it talks about bad shepherds is in Jeremiah chapter 10. And he uses some kind of harsh language. Here, the shepherds, and he's talking about the leaders of Israel at this point, the the religious spiritual leaders of Israel. He says, for the shepherds are stupid. All right? He's not holding back. Jeremiah is like going to town. They are stupid. Why? Because they do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered and their flock is scattered. We, we can look at several verses in the Hebrew Bible, especially in the realm of the prophets, that talk about good and bad shepherds. And many times God says, you're a bad shepherd. And it often comes down to this reason. They have not connected themselves as shepherds to the Lord. They have not sought the Lord's leading and the Lord's wisdom. And as a result, their leadership becomes selfish and it becomes focused on how can they build their own kingdom instead of feeding the flock and making them content by connecting them to the Lord who is their great shepherd. This is a negative image that is used in the Bible talking about shepherds. Their goal as shepherds of people, and this is true for spiritual leaders and leaders today taking this idea of shepherding. And their goal was to seek God and to feed the sheep by connecting them to the good shepherd. In the book of First Peter, actually, uh, Peter talks to um, the, the religious leaders, the pastors, and he says, shepherd the flock of God that is under your care shepherd the flock of God. He gives that to spiritual leaders, to elders, to pastors to do that. This idea of make sure you care for the people whom God has entrusted to you. And he says, because when the chief shepherd comes and he's looking forward to a day in which all of our shepherd, the Messiah Jesus comes back, he, he, he bases their authority on a greater authority, namely the good shepherd. Shepherds are not supposed to always do what the sheep want because contentment, again, is not found in getting what you want. Contentment is found in receiving what you need and receiving what I need. Sometimes sheep want to go in a dangerous and dark place. Sometimes they want to stay away from somewhere that the shepherd needs them to go. A good shepherd seeks the good of the sheep by connecting them to God's purposes, his power, and his presence. Bad shepherds do not understand how to lead sheep to a place of contentment, care, and purpose. And as a result, uh, there's the Jeremiah 10. There's another verse. I, I don't have it on the slide for you, but later in Jeremiah 23, you don't have to turn there. But later, where God states through Jeremiah that one day he's going to send a shepherd, a righteous one, from the line of David, to gather and to tend his sheep. So I want to talk about what it means to know your shepherd's voice, what, what it means to follow the good shepherd. Good shepherds are defined by how they care for the sheep. Psalm 23 is one of the most ancient uh, and well-known, um, beloved 
Psalms of the Bible, many of you could probably even say it, and it talks about shepherding. The Lord, David says, is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because David says, you, God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says, you anoint, you, uh, you anoint, you place me on an anointed table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, an expert shepherd, understands something about this image, and he applies it to his relationship with God. God is not a distant God. God is not a God who does not care. God is a shepherd who provides, leads, guards, protects everything for David. Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Listen to what is in view for David. And I, he says, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For God to be his shepherd is not a, um, a foreign concept. It's a very real concept that he is walking in an intentional, purposeful, close, dynamic relationship with God. I love hearing those words. Not just because they take me back to some place in time when I've heard them and memorized them or whatever, but because they remind me of who God is. He is my shepherd. He's your shepherd. He wants to be the shepherd of the people made in his image. My message today is designed in part for graduates. Graduates, th this is an important time in your life when you're discerning, God, what next? When you're looking to say, all right, God, I don't know what the next year holds. I don't even know what the next month holds, perhaps. But it's not just for graduates. It's for people. People moving into a phase of retirement saying, God, what next? People wrestling with where God has them in their work right now. People who are struggling to find housing in a crazy economy that you're like, can I buy that? I don't know, you know. People whose loved ones who've made decisions that are really challenging to process. People who are stuck, unsure where to turn next. People struggling with discouragement, anxiety, fear. Maybe even struggling with, with various sins in your life. People struggling with their life, thinking that it should carry more meaning and purpose, going home at the end of the day, wondering, is this all there is to life? How do we seek to know our shepherd's voice? I, I've, I've mentioned already, relationship is the key component between the sheep and the shepherd. And discernment is found in knowing our shepherd and hearing his voice amidst the noise and the clamor of life. And knowing the shepherd's voice begins with one thing, a personal relationship with Jesus. A personal relationship with Jesus. The, the only way to truly hear your shepherd's voice on a day-by-day -day is for him to actually be your shepherd. See, see, God doesn't force you to become a member of his flock. He invites you. He invites 
be. He doesn't force us into that relationship. But the glory of the gospel is that even when we were lost and we were dead in our transgressions and sins, God didn't say, there's a sheep out there looking for someone. I hope they find me. No, he, he comes to this earth and Jesus gives his life, his death and his resurrection to make a life in following God for eternity possible. And he does this while we were still sinners. This is the glory of the gospel. There is nothing, my friends, that you or I can do to make ourselves right with God. There is no good work we can perform to measure up in his eyes. All we have to do is to receive the life that he wants to give us through Jesus and trusting him to be our Savior and our Lord. Have you done that today? if you haven't done that, all you have to do is go to the good shepherd this morning and say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Make me a new person today in Christ. I believe that you died and you rose again for me so that I could become a sheep in your flock and have life and life to the full. If you are not a follower of the good shepherd, I'd love to chat with you after we're done today. If you're a follower of the shepherd, there's still a discernment process in hearing the voice of God in our lives. Dustin, would you go to the next slide for me, please? In ancient times, what shepherds would do is they would gather their flock, and especially at nighttime, or if there was a threat nearby, they would, they would gather them in a walled area. Now, this walled area could be a, a pile of stones up against a hill, kind of like what it is here with the trees and stuff around. It, it could be a cave. It, it, it could look a bunch of different ways. But what the shepherd would do, because his first priority is to care for this flock. His first priority is not sleep, not eating um, food for himself, not caring about his own needs. His first priority is the flock, always. What he would do, if there's danger or if he's putting them uh, in, a, in a safe place for the night, what he would do is he'd put them into this pen or, or into this corral or into this thing, if you will. And, and he would have one entrance. You'll see it right there. The shepherd's right there and the shepherd has a dog with him. And he'd place himself or he would put another gate right in front of this entrance. So you had basically an immovable um, thing for the sheep to be in with one in and out. This is ancient shepherding practice. When they're not out grazing or gathering water, they're secure. And the shepherd himself cares for who goes in and out. When John writes these words or records these words of Jesus in John chapter 10, He's describing how Jesus himself stands at the front of this pen. He, he, Jesus comes in and out by the door or by the gate. Because that's, if you have good purposes for your flock, that's where you come in and out. He says this, I'll just read it again and give a couple commentary um, words as we go through John chapter 10. Verse 1 again says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold but, by, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Any person who tries to come into the flock of sheep any other way than the way that has been designed is someone who tries to do the flock harm. 
We, we, we see this in a spiritual way in our lives today. There's a battle of voices and influences in our lives. There are people who are thieves and robbers who exist to do harm to followers of Jesus. They're not the shepherd. They have no authority over the sheep. All they want to do is influence the sheep in a way that is not giving of life. They, they, they want to turn the sheep's eyes or turn the sheep's head or try to turn the sheep's heart away from the shepherd. Jesus says here that I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He says in verse 2, the, the one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The, 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 the proper one to take care of and to provide contentment for the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. So what would happen at, at times in ancient past is they would have multiple people helping care for the sheep. So the shepherd might go to his home to do something, leave the sheep in a safe, secure pen with a gatekeeper there or an actual fixed gate to keep them from going out or to keep um, thieves or robbers or animals from coming in. But when he comes back, he, he opens it, or, or the doorkeeper opens it for him, knowing that this is the shepherd. He, he is the one who is over these sheep. He's the care and the protector of these sheep. And it says, and the sheep hear his voice. Notice how Jesus describes his personal knowledge of his followers. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He knows exactly the name of his sheep. He knows exactly what is going on in their life. And wherever they are at, his desire is to lead. See, the, the, the shepherd comes in by the door. He's recognized. And some of the sheep, the longer that they've been with the shepherd, they know exactly whose voice they hear. Some of the younger sheep are learning that voice. What does it mean when the shepherd makes that call? And they begin to look at the other sheep in the pen because they're, they're, they're new to this flock and day after day, week after week, month after month, they learn that when the shepherd calls, he's not just calling the flock, he's calling them. Next slide, Dustin. Here's a photo of, of a shepherd back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, leading a flock of sheep. Um, it, it's interesting that the shepherd never drives a flock. He leads. He leads. Now, the shepherd often has a dog or something like that to help provide some assistance to him along the way. Or he might have multiple people, if it's a larger flock, to, to guide. But the shepherd always leads. And he leads by calling. There's some really cool videos on YouTube where you can look up like, like shepherd calling his sheep. And you can watch certain shepherds call and the sheep just start kind of coming. When we were in Israel many years ago, Actually, we were, we were on our Israel trip, but we were also over in Jordan. One of the stops we made was to a Bedouin tent. And our, our tour group leader wanted to, um, to, to call down a sheep. So he goes over to the shepherd and he asks, can I call your sheep? He tries to call the sheep. Sheep don't really come. He, he wanted to actually milk a goat. So I don't know why, but he did. Um, so he calls. And then the shepherd calls. And the shepherd makes a certain call and a certain call. And the sheep are kind of all over a little hillside here. And one by one, two by two, the sheep start moseying their way down because they heard the voice of their shepherd. It, it, in, a, in a different kind of way. When I was a kid, we had this certain whistle that... Um, that is whistled in our family. And when anyone in our family hears this whistle, it goes something like this. 
right? Now you know the secret family whistle. Probably shouldn't have shared that with you. But whenever you hear the whistle, <laughs> and you're a member of the Cobb family, you go, someone's looking for one of us. And everybody just kind of starts meandering to where the whistle is coming from. And it's usually my mom or my dad not, not wanting to go hunting for everyone. So like in a store, we can be in a grocery store if we're all there together for some odd, strange reason. We can hear that whistle and go, someone needs me, you know, and, and we just go find the whistle, right? <laughs> the shepherd has a voice and he has a call that the sheep know. They hear the call and they go, not just because they know a call, but because they know the one who is calling. The, the shepherd always leads the sheep. He never drives them. And, and by this, he is always leading them to a place that they may not be sure of. You know, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Sheep are very skittish, skittish creatures. Um, if there's moving water, they don't really go near it. They go more towards pools of water. So the shepherd is knowing exactly what they need, exactly where it's at. They're not thinking about where's the grass for tomorrow because the shepherd, that's his job. A voice that is so tuned in on the shepherd distinguishes between his command and the commands of all the other voices around them. This is why Jesus says that his sheep, in verse 5, will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. They know their good shepherd's voice. So how do we know our good shepherd's voice so that we can hear it more precisely? So, so, so that we can know, yes, this is God leading me to this, or this is God directing me towards this, or this is God saying, I want you to stop in this. How do we know our shepherd's voice? So I want to give you four, four principles for knowing your shepherd's voice. The first one is this. Um, through, through prayer, trust that God will speak through his word through a prayerful study and consistent reading, God speaks through his word. The, the reason why people give their life to go translate the text into a different language is because we as followers of Jesus believe that these words are words of life. They're, they're not words of, 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 of a law or of a burden. They're actually words that instruct us in what it means to know the heart of our shepherd. One of the most important principles to hearing our shepherd's voice is to read the text. A daily consistent reading of the text and allow God to reveal himself through his word. Throughout the scriptures, there's a whole bunch of principles. And of course, reading matters because you can read something and take it out of context and misunderstand the heart of your shepherd. So, so reading matters. In fact, we, we gave the Moody Bible commentary to you students today um, because it's, it's just a great um, resource for understanding the more difficult passages of scripture, right? It doesn't replace the text in your life. It's only there to serve to help you go, well, like, God, what did you mean there? And give you an aid along that path. God speaks through his word. 
many times when we face challenges in our lives, we can come and we can say, all right, God, what have you already said about this part of my life that I'm facing? Because a lot of times God has already said something about it. And we can go to the truth of God's word for, for the answer which leads to life. Reading this, um, like I say, as we've been reading through the Bible this year, it, it's not just to know the text. It's to know the God who gave the text to us. It's not just about words on a paper. It's about the heart of a shepherd who wants us to know what it means to follow him and to understand his heart for the world. Always ask, what has God already said about this? Is what I want to do consistent with what God has taught me, understood properly in his word? Because God speaks through the scripture. Another principle to hearing the voice of your shepherd is um, to know and to believe that the Holy Spirit will reveal himself in God's will and his word to you as you engage this text. The Holy Spirit will often nudge us or bring us different thoughts, prompting us towards a direction. But, but whenever we sense that maybe God's Spirit is leading us towards something, God's Spirit will never contradict or con contradict the Word of God. They, they work in harmony because the same God who authored the text gives us His Spirit in which to walk and to understand. In fact, one of the things that it says in John's gospel is that the Holy Spirit will come and lead and guide his people into truth. And so really to, to understand the Bible in its fullness requires a dependence upon God's Spirit leading us and guiding us into what is true. These are scriptures that testify about Jesus. They, they matter for our life. Now, God not only speaks through his Spirit, he also empowers us by his spirit for everything that he calls us to do. So, so we can come to a, a, a truth found in God's word and say, I do not know how to love my neighbor as myself, God. And here's the dependence part of being sheep who follow a shepherd. God knows this. And that gives us an opportunity in our inadequacy, in our feelings of inadequacy, to say, God, you have made me adequate in Christ Jesus. You have given me your Holy Spirit to walk out your word and your will in my life. And the dependence part for the sheep, using it in a metaphorical sense, the dependence part for us as sheep is to say, God, would you help me walk this out? It may be you know, being kind to your brother or sister, not that I, I ever had that problem growing up. Um, just kidding. Uh, it, it may be desiring to do something that is right at work, but you know, if you do what's right, it may not end that great for you. It, it, it may be through a sin issue that you constantly struggle with. The, the answer is not, I must, I must, I must. The answer is, God, I can't, but you can through me. It's the amazing words of Paul in Philippians. I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who gives me the strength. All those things refers to the things that God has called you and I to. All right, so God speaks through Scripture, principle number one. Principle number two, God speaks through the Holy Spirit, and he will nudge us, prompting us towards a direction. God also speaks through people. Uh, th this is one that I've, I've learned the easy and the hard way in my life. I, I remember years ago, m much of my life is 
is summarized in the story of God, there's no way I'll ever do that. And then God just smiles and like a good shepherd, doesn't give me all the answers, but leads me along the path. I, I remember years ago uh, telling my, my wife, um, we were almost ready to be married, and telling my mom at graduation from undergraduate school, um, I am never going back to school again. <laughs> I forgot all about that until God began to work something in my heart. And, and they reminded me of that, and I went, oh, I said that. I didn't know I said that because I'd forgotten it. Um, but God will speak through people who will help affirm choices and decisions you made. And here's the key to inviting people into that discernment process. Invite people into that role in your life who care more about God's glory than your happiness. Invite people into your life who care more about your biblical contentment than what you would like to see. Sometimes God aligns with our heart's desire. Sometimes God changes our heart's desire to make it more like what he wants it to be. It looks different for every person, but it, God will use people to speak to you. Those people will never contradict the word of God, but God will use them to give you a word of insight a word of revelation, a word of exhortation, or an encouragement. The people who speak powerfully into our lives are often parents. They're often grandparents. They're often pastors or small group leaders or trusted people who care more about us in our walk with Jesus than they care about our happiness. We need sometimes the words of encouragement and exhortation that bring us back into hearing the shepherd's voice. Lastly, God will also speak through circumstances. God will sometimes lay things out in such a way that you go, God, there's no way I could miss this one. But even when we see that, it's always good to say, God, this is what it seems to be leading me toward. This is what you seem to be leading me toward in this path of following you. Father, would you reveal yourself to me through your word, through your spirit, and reveal to me if there's something here that I am missing. See, the, the, the heart of a, of a sheep following a good shepherd is one that says, I can trust you, God, in all things. Sometimes we struggle with that trust. Not because God has forsaken us, but because we have felt being forsaken by people on earth or circumstances on earth. And sometimes we project that experience onto God. God is a good shepherd who longs to meet your every need in his perfect timing. Knowing your shepherd's voice is the process of hearing God speak through his word by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you into what is true. By allowing God to use people who care about God's glory to speak to you. And, and to receive that and take that back to God. And to allow God to speak through circumstances in your life. By far, the first couple are, are perhaps the most important. In fact, I, I love what one of my professors at Moody Seminary said. He, he said something like this. Um, the majority of the time, our, our struggle in following God comes down to knowing what God has already said about this and yielding our lives to the words that are already in his teaching.
The third one that I would add is yielding our lives to the power of God working through us to accomplish what he wants to do. Graduates, as you get ready for what God has for you next, God God wants you to invite him on that journey. But not just graduates, my friends, as you go into your Sunday afternoon and your Monday this week, whether you are involved in work, you're getting ready for vacation, you're buying a house, you're selling a house, you're involved in something else, God stands there and he wants to know you. It's my prayer that we, in turn, would go to our Heavenly Father who meets our needs daily to hear his voice and to hear his guidance and direction and purpose for our life. We, we don't earn this. This is the gift of God's grace to us. Our Father and our King. Oh, Lord, some of us have come in here this morning and we're just conflicted and confused about what you have for us next. Some of us, God, have come in this morning and we're confident. We know what you have for us next. My prayer is the same for both of us and everyone else in between. That we would care and desire more to hear the voice of our shepherd, to be reminded that we are your sheep, that nothing can take you from, or nothing can take us from your hand, that you care about the big and the large and the small details of our life in such a way that in your perfect grace, you meet us with what we need, divine empowerment and everything for what you have placed before us. God, give us a heart amidst all the good things in the world to hear your voice and follow your leading. God, give us a, a, a mind and a heart among, amidst all the challenging and, and ugly and sinful things of the world to hear your voice and by your grace walk after you and not the things that seek to try to take us out. God, we stand and we sit here this morning confident of who we are in Christ. Thank you, God, for meeting us in your perfect sufficiency. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.